Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Joining us right now on Basketball Central, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, new friend of the show. He follows and covers the Utah Jazz, SB Nation's SLC Dunk. It is a great time to follow the Utah Jazz, great time to be a fan of the Utah Jazz. James Hansen joins us now. James, thanks so much for doing this. How are you on a Thursday? Oh, I'm doing good. Maybe not as good as the Jazz, but I'm doing pretty good. I, I would say the Jazz are rolling right now. Uh, James, let's get into this. They're They're the best team in the Western Conference. They weren't supposed to be the best team in the Western Conference. They were supposed to be in the in the tank battles for Victor and Scoot Henderson. And Danny Ainge was tearing the whole thing down. And he got a ton of draft picks, including Walker Kessler, who I'm sure we'll get to for Rudy Gobert. Um, obviously, this team has exceeded everyone's expectations. Just where are you at with this group? And, and you know, what do you think of this team now that you've had a chance to follow this unlikely story for the last couple of weeks? I mean, we're just as surprised as everyone. We came into the season expecting a team that would be competing for the worst record in the league. Instead, they've been the absolute opposite. I mean, it's not a team that's kind of slightly gone above expectations. Like the Spurs have been a little bit above expectations, I think, for everyone. They've won, you know, they're kind of hovering around 500. But for the Jazz to be at 10 and 3, the number one record in the Western Conference, and they're not doing it against bad teams. Mm-hmm. But that's probably one of the things that's been so surprising as well, is we came into this season and said, holy cow, these first 20 games are rough. Like opening night, they beat Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, yeah. and they go on the road on the third game in four nights last night and beat the Atlanta Hawks. They're winning these tough games in tough circumstances. It's it's remarkable. I did not predict this. And now I go into these games just kind of expecting the Jazz to either win or be close. They are, they've they won like two to three overtime games against tough teams. So they're just doing things that experienced, good veteran teams do, but they're doing it with a roster that's almost completely turned over from last season. There's just no rhyme or reason to it. And And, and you look at this and you consider, you know, Rudy's out, Donovan's out. Uh, I, I'm sure jazz fans in Salt Lake city and elsewhere were like, okay, here we go. We're just, we're just going to be quiet old Utah again. No one's going to pay attention, but now, mm-hmm. you know, they're generating all these headlines. I know the jazz fans are passionate. They're intense. Like what's, what's the, what's the crowd reaction been like in Salt Lake city? I would imagine it's uh, it's, it's quite wild at the moment. It is. I mean, jazz fans were expecting not much this season. So I think a lot of jazz fans and, to be honest, the last two, three seasons for jazz fans has been not the greatest. It's not been a lot of fun yet. Constantly hearing things about, you know, Rudy Gobert said this about Donovan Mitchell and mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell posts this on Instagram and, and you know, there's, there's fighting in the locker room and all these things and they go out and then they go to the playoffs and they underperform. They get, they lose the first round of the playoffs last season to Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. And they didn't even have Luka Doncic in the first two games. It's just, it's been a, two or three seasons of just utter disappointment. So jazz fans come into this season and they didn't have a lot of expectations. They just, it was kind of like turning over a new leaf, starting fresh. And then all of a sudden the the team's just really, really good. And they beat these teams and they do it in really fun ways. 
you know, the last two, three, four seasons, it's been kind of the Donovan Mitchell show on offense where he gets the ball. And at the end of the game, if he does really well, the Jazz win. If they if he doesn't, then they lose. And now they're playing this system where it's completely shared. Every single player is bought in. They are all sharing the ball, just looking to win games. No one on this team is looking to get their stats and get the, you know, trying to make all NBA or all-star teams. They're just trying to win the game. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the the stats are following. Jordan Clarkson is having his best season of his career. Mike Conley looks like Memphis Mike Conley again. He is like last night he had 13 assists. It's just it's crazy. The amount of one of one of the stats I think that's the most interesting is last season the Jazz as a team averaged 22 assists per per game as a team. Mm-hmm. This season there are like 29 to 30 per game. So they're just sharing the ball. They're creating open shots. And the other thing that's going on is they're making them. They are shooting at a really high level right now, which is kind of the one thing that makes me wonder, could this taper off a little bit? I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll certainly see. And, and you know, when you have Donovan Mitchell in the fold, I mean, I, I believe with Cleveland right now, he's right up there with, with Luka and all the other high usage guys in the NBA. So if you take Donovan out of that fold, things are going to change a little bit. I, I just wanted to ask you, though, like, do, do you see it as a little ironic that, you know, the Jazz a couple of years ago traded for Mike Conley, except they didn't get Memphis Mike Conley until now. That just that that timeline to me just seems a little odd. Little little, little yeah, coincidental. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jazz fans were so excited because it felt like at the time they were getting kind of that third star and oh now we can maybe we can win a title with this team. And Mike Conley came in and he even had quotes at the beginning of his first season where he's like, Man, it feels like I have to go to a class just to learn the system and and he started the season like one for 24 from three. And so it just kind of, it didn't go great. I mean, they did win a lot of games that second season with Mike Conley. They had that number one seed in the NBA and, mm-hmm. and, but each playoff series, they just disappointed. They gave up a three, one lead in the bubble to Denver. Uh, they gave up that lead, the two lead to the Clippers who yeah, didn't the, have Kawhi Leonard the, the, and the Terrence Mann game. That's right. Exactly. You know, it's just nightmares for jazz fans the last three years. And so now they have this different system that is completely open they play a simple form of basketball where it allows the the jazz and their players to just play free to it here adheres to their strengths so mike conley has become much more of an assist man again and he's just finding open guys you have guys that are sharing the ball jordan like i mentioned jordan clarkson he's averaging five something assists per game Mm -hmm. uh they're evolving within the system before our eyes it's crazy uh, and I think that's part of what it is. We had a quote. There was an interesting quote after they played Denver again. I guess Jared Vanderbilt had dinner with uh, Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. It was actually a quote from Michael Porter Jr. about the Jazz. And he said Vanderbilt was talking to him about how free and how happy the players feel there, that everything is free and open and they're allowed to run and move. So it really feels like last season they were in this structure with Quinn Snyder where it was just like very much precise fitting some squares into round pegs or circles into yeah, square yeah, pegs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And this season, it's more of playing to your strengths, getting players on there that fit with what the others do, and then and then go out and do what you do best. Jared Vanderbilt's not being asked to, to go shoot a ton of threes. He shoots like one or two per game. Interestingly enough, Jared Vanderbilt's shooting like 50% from threes. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind of wild, but... But players are being asked to do what they do best, and they're doing it really well. And it's—I guess maybe we shouldn't be all that surprised they did better than we thought. I'm not—I—I I don't know what to think, honestly. 
Yeah, yeah, probably not. And and I think too with with Rudy and Donovan gone, and, and I know that Mike Conley is still there. Um, I'm I'm blanking on a couple of guys. Jordan Clarkson is still there. I mean, Will Hardy mm-hmm. has clearly shown himself to be a very competent NBA coach as a first time head coach. I mean, how much of this is Will Hardy, and how much of this is just guys that are completely brand new? Therefore, they are willing to buy in. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I think Will Hardy deserves a ton of credit because I think, I mean, this team came in there in great shape and I think the, the system is very open and fluid. So it really, it, it really seems like you could bring in other players and they could fit right in and do what they do. Like the jazz, that's, what's going to be interesting. This trade deadline, what do the jazz do? Cause we all expected them to just, you know, be sellers at trade deadline. Well, maybe they go out and they say, Hey, maybe we can go get another piece and consolidate. If you got, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting to see, but uh, as far as credit, I would say you got to give a ton of credit to Will Hardy because this team came out and from game one, they have been just ready. They play cohesive. They play together. They are tough. They play well at the end of games in the clutch. And I mean, for a team, like you mentioned, they only had like two players come back and then a couple very end of the bench guys, but the main rotation players of Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson were it. Everyone else is from other teams. You had the Rudy Gobert trade. So you have Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, they had, um, and Malik Beasley, they had right, from the yeah. Cavs trade. They have Colin Sexton and Larry Markinen, two different teams. Now they're part of the starting rotation. They also made a trade uh, right before the season started that everyone kind of talked badly about, at least here in this market, trading Boyan Bogdanovich for Kelly Olynyk. Well, Kelly Olynyk has been remarkable for the Jazz. It really looks like both teams won that trade. Canadian uh, Kelly Olynyk, by the way. That's right. He's been <laughs> he's been fantastic, and he honestly, he's he's been a big part of this. I, he's been one of the core pieces. His ability, he's tougher than I realized. Um, he's averaging three, four assists per game, so he's fitting into that kind of this culture they're building of sharing the ball. Um, getting, you know, there's good, better, and best shots and the jazz are not finding good shots. They're finding the best shot. And it's usually an open three or a dunk at the rim. And so, yeah, Kelly Olenek. So all these moves, the fact they're all together and the players deserve credit too. They've all bought in. But I think the fact that Will, Will Hardy is, has come in the, all these pieces from all these places and they're fitting together in a impressive way. It's, it's pretty remarkable. James Hansen of SB Nation's SLC Dunk joining us on Basketball Central Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Uh, I was thinking about this today, James. I was listening to uh, Locked On NBA, and and they were talking about uh, Laurie Markkinen and and how well he's Mm -hmm. played and how well he shot the ball, particularly last night uh, against Atlanta. I thought of this nickname, uh, Finnish Gallinari. You can you can take <laughs> he, he he reminds me of Danilo. He really does. But I mean, Gallinari's a guy where he comes in and in uh, or, or pardon me, Markinen comes in Chicago, Cleveland. He he shows flashes, but a lot of people I think kind of sold their Markinen stock. Uh, what has impressed mm-hmm. you uh, about him? Because he he seems to be on an all star trajectory at least through the first thirteen games. Yeah, I mean, I kind of th- thought of him the same way, kind of like a Gallinari who's like a taller power forward who shoots threes, 
and maybe doesn't really do a ton else, but is just such a, although I guess, I guess Gallinari is pretty good at getting to the free throw line. So I think that's kind of what we thought too, but man, he has been, he has been so impressive in what he does. So obviously he can shoot the three and we all know that he's got that seven foot frame and, and what's impressed me is he's pretty athletic and he actually has been scoring in transition. So he runs the court. He, he gets buckets in transition. I've been impressed with his ability to get to the foul line. He actually plays out of the post a little bit. And I'd say defensively, I've been a little surprised. I mean, he, he was, I mean, he had the assignment the other day on the Lakers guarding Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis really took it to him and, mm-hmm. and it didn't go all that great, but he competes and he battles and he was guarding, um, who was he called? He was guarding Paul George the other night against the Clippers. So he's getting these assignments on defense too, that are tough assignments. And he's, you know, he's, I would say he's an average to honestly, I'd say pretty good defender. I mean, those guys still got their points, but he's making it tough and he's got that long frame. So he just, I mean, he's, I I've been just pretty surprised and offensively, like I said, he's been just lights out. He's averaging like 22, 23 a game. And it's from from all three levels of the court, whether it's at the rim, in the mid-range, or shooting threes. He's been, I mean, he's earned an all-star spot so far. If the if the season ended today, the Jazz would have the number one seed in the West. I would imagine he'd be an all-star, I I would think. I'll we call him, oh, I was going to say, we call him the finisher, the double N from oh, Finland, okay. the finisher out oh, that's, here. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I like that. I'll, 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 let you out of, <laughs> I'll let you out on this one, James. It, it's a bit of a loaded question, but I do this. I, I always end on, on a very loaded question. Let's okay. say that let's say the Jazz are very much in the fold, like top three, four in the West, you know, by mm-hmm. the all-star break, by the trade deadline. We know uh from the past that Danny Ainge likes to build his war chest. Uh we also know that attracting big name free agents uh to Utah, not exactly the easiest feat in the world. What path does Danny take if they are still competitive? Because you know, if you make a trade where it seems like, hey, we're, we're just stockpiling more assets, players in the room aren't going to like that. Like, what does Danny do if they're still good around the all-star break, around the trade deadline? Because, again, free agency, superstars, Utah, maybe that doesn't happen. A trade to bolster the roster? Yeah, that's that's far more likely. What, what do you think goes down? I think the thing that I've learned with Danny Ainge is he really does set a price or a value to a player. And if another team is willing to hit that, then he does it. I think it also, I think it's also mixed in with what are their goals. Now, the, before the season started, I think the goal really was let's develop these players. Let's see if any of these guys can turn into something and let's see how good Will Hardy is. Well, all three of those things have happened in a really big way. Will Hardy's turned out to be, I mean, honestly, he's been such a good coach. I, he's the guy I'm kind of thinking like, oh my gosh, what do we have here? And then, you know, these players that kind of were cast offs from another team, Larry Markinen, who we've talked about, uh, Colin Sexton has been really impressive. He looks athletic. He so the injury looks like it's completely healed uh, and he's just a hundred percent. And so I guess it really just, it, this is probably a lame answer. It kind of depends on what other teams come to the table with. I mean, Danny Ainge is not going to make a trade with the Lakers just to make a trade if the, cause we know that they had talked with the, the Lakers about a Boyan Bogdanovich trade and a few other pieces, mm-hmm. but the Lakers had wanted heavily protected first round picks as part of what they were giving the jazz and the jazz said no. And they went and got Kelly Olenek. Um, So it really just depends if no team comes with what Danny Ainge wants, then he probably goes into the trade do- deadline saying, let's see what we can add. 
Um, what's interesting is the Jazz are running like 10-man rotations right now. And so I don't know if that's going to be what they do in the playoffs because we know that the playoffs, you tend to play your better players more. And so you're looking at seven to eight-man rotations in the playoffs. But so who knows? I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Ainge got an offer for someone out there. Um, I mean, the thing out here, everyone was talking about, well, why don't they go out and get KD? They've got the picks for it. And then Mm -hmm. they do something like happened in Toronto where you go out and you get Kawhi Leonard and you win a championship, you know? I mean, I think that's probably an extreme, but I don't think it's out of the question. But I, I imagine Danny, if he goes in the trade deadline, they're still in the top three, like you mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at adding uh, upgrade, an upgraded piece that kind of fit in with what the Jazz are doing. And, and honestly, that would be a lot of fun. And by the way, the Jazz don't necessarily have to tank because this year they have the Minnesota Timberwolves pick. Right. And the Timberwolves are looking kind of... Yeah, so you could. I don't think the Jazz expected that the Wolves pick might be their best asset and that they might be making the playoffs this year. It's been the complete opposite of what Jazz fans expected. James, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it, and uh, I hope we can do this again soon. You bet. Anytime.